Hallelujah. God is so good. You know, the biggest challenge that I have as a pastor that, that truly desires to be led by the Spirit is um, some of the same challenges Jesus had when he walked on the earth. You know, Jesus said this in John chapter uh, 16, verse 12. He said, there's many more things I like to say, which means he had a, a plethora of things he could say. The question is, should he say them? Should he release it? In this particular moment in John chapter 16, verse 12, he says, there's many more things I love to say, but you're not even able to bear them. Which means I can't even get into this conversation yet. But now when he comes, that is the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to show you things to come. He'll disclose these things. So what I can't say in front of your face today, there will come a time that the Spirit will reveal it. Which means I'm going to talk to you, but by the Spirit in that moment. I won't be here present anymore. I'll be seated at the right hand of the Father in heaven. But I'll say it to you by the Holy Ghost that lives in you. And he'll finally reveal things that I could never say when I walked on the earth. As a pastor, same thing takes place because there's a lot of things that I pick up in the Spirit, in service. I can't even begin to tell you how much I put on every time I get in a platform. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, you know, I, I, I live in this same world just like you. You know, I face trials and tribulations just like you. You know, I... I wake up on the wrong side of the bed just like you and have to find the right one. Yeah. Are you with me? Y'all have ever heard that? Y'all have used that excuse before. Am I the only one that's ever walking up on the wrong side of the bed? Yeah. You know, where you, it's like everything's going wrong today and you say it. Well, I, well, they woke up on the wrong side of the bed. That usually means they have a bad attitude. And so, you know, everything's forcing or pushing you. But then again, on a pastor side, I come in and, you know, I sense the burdens of people. I pick things up in the spirit, things that people are entertaining, things that are on people. Then, you know, I have common knowledge about some individuals as well, things they're going through, struggles that they're having, challenges that are going on in their homes. You have that. That's why Paul said, I cast the care of the church off daily. Out of all the trials he went through, man, he, li he lists the shipwrecks, he lists the, li uh, lists the beatings, he lists the imprisonments, he lists, you know, being in danger of, of robbers, his own countrymen, he lists about uh, famines, being without food, and, and the cold, all, he lists all these hardships, but then the last thing he lists, which you would think, uh, it, which is the most significant to him, you would think all those others would be more of a burden to him, but he says, and then daily the cares of the church. It burdened him more. You know, taking a physical beating was, you know, something he could handle himself, but you know, when you know you're trying to get Christ formed in someone and you want them to take it and they ain't taking it yet, that's a burden. So, you know, you begin to minister, even in these services, when you begin to go around and, 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 and say things, you pick things up in the Spirit. Pick things up in the spirit and begin to say, well, do you address it? Do you let it go? Do you not say it? So sometimes you just stall like you're doing now to hear the Holy Ghost. Should you address it or should you not? Amen. Because, man, we need to stay hooked up with what God's saying. Hallelujah. Because everybody's bringing something. Some's bringing full of faith. Others bringing worry and doubt. 
Some's bringing tradition. Matthew chapter 15, verse 3 says this, Why do you forsake the commandments of God for the sake of your tradition? I've got some people in here, you've been in church longer than I've been born. But you haven't lived like it. I've got some people, you've been in more churches than I've been in churches. But you have such traditions. I mean, it's got like this, this spirit of criticalness, like impress me. I'm not here to impress you. You came for the wrong reason. You might as well get them leave now. There ain't nothing impressive about this guy. If I don't speak what the Lord's saying, then what's the, worth, what's, what's the reason to even say anything? Are you with me? So anyway, I just want you to stay hooked up. That we all have to put things on. And let me just say it this way. Okay, Lord, I'll be able to say it. Thank you. See, you wait. The Lord tell you how to address things. You know what? <clears throat> if you've never studied something out yourself personally with this intention to not reinforce what you think you know, but what does God say, period. Then don't be like Peter and lock up at a word that you don't have understanding on. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said this, who do people say that I am? And they said, well, some say Elijah, some say, you know, Jeremiah, some say the prophets. He said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you are the son of the living God. He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who's in heaven. He says this to Peter. He says, blessed are you. He's got revelation from the Father who I am. Then he goes on and begins to tell them, now listen, I'm going to be handed over to the chief priests. <laughs> They're going to they beat me up. I'm going to die, honestly, guys. I'm going to die. Now when he heard that, I'm going to die, Peter stopped. That word disturbed him. Everything else that comes out of Jesus' mouth now, Peter doesn't even hear. This happens multiple times. I can't tell you in the spirit. I know this multiple times as I preach that I'll say one word and I have Peter moments in people's hearts. They lock up over a word. <laughs> They're stuck now. And I say so many other things and it's done. And so Peter heard, I'm going to die. And he stopped immediately and he started thinking to himself, I can't lose Jesus. I'm not going to lose Jesus. And Jesus is talking now while he's talking to himself. I can't lose Jesus. This ain't going to happen. This, ain't, this can't happen at all. This is, this is bunk, man. No, man, this ain't going to happen. I won't let this happen. I'm not going to let this happen. I'll stop it. This isn't going to happen at all. And I want, Jesus needs to know I love him, and I won't let this happen to him, and I'll stop this thing. I want him to know that I'm for him, that I'm with him, and that, man, no matter who tries to come against him, I'm there. I'll help take it out, man. I'll go to fight with him, man. I'll die with this guy. I am not going to let somebody do this. And Jesus talking the whole time. Jesus goes on to says, but on the third day, I'm going to be raised from the dead. Peter missed all that. Jesus finished his little discourse, and Peter so worked up in his own mind, hearing without hearing. He's still in the, in the group. But while Jesus is talking, Peter's not hearing because he's thinking to himself. He's developing a scenario all in his own mind. He's created a whole theology. And he pulls Jesus to the side. He says, Lord, may it never be you die. And the Lord says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Wow. If a pastor said that in church today, <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> now, brother, you're being condemned. If you're speaking something against my Lord Jesus, there's a different spirit that you're coming from. That's right. Come on. Hallelujah. So my point is, is that 
If you start to lock, write it down saying, oh, Lord, I'll study that. Let me continue. Because I'm going to be honest with you. You don't have to believe anything I say because I say it. In fact, I encourage you, please don't. Go search the scripture for yourself. For yourself. I'm not talking about commentaries. I'm talking, don't go get, you know, some, you know, these, these Bibles written by these individuals or they got their little commentary down at the bottom. So they can influence you with their definition. Since there's so much resource out there, go ahead and study it for yourself. Go find out what the Greek, original Greek says. Go, go cross-reference these scriptures all over the place. Actually read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. If you've never done that, you have no idea. Come on. Context. If you have never read Genesis to Revelation, you do not have context. And you are subject to wrong thinking. You have to perpetually go through this thing every day because it's a living document. It's alive. It's active, sharper than any two-edged sword. This is not a library that you pull down the book, read it one time, and say, I did that. This is God speaking to us. And he'll reveal things in these pages that you never saw years ago. Why? Because you were faithful with a little bit of knowledge he gave you, and now he'll give you, make you faithful with a little bit more. And until you are able to grow in that, you're not going to have it. God does not cast pearls before the... So what well, are the lost people? Are they? Are they people who don't really value the word? Because we call ourselves Christian, but we're not in this book. Are y'all with me? Just say amen. Look at somebody say it's going to be better. <laughs> I'm just preparing your heart to receive. Because we've come to a place where church, if we don't watch out, has become babysitting. God did not raise the church to be a preschool, a daycare. Daycare is different than a preschool. Preschool actually teaches something. Daycare is just watching the kids during the day until mom and dad show back up. Filling your day full of fun and entertainment. It's not about an agenda of teaching you and, and, and growing you. That's a daycare. There's plenty of daycare churches. But we need to grow up in the things of God. We need to discover who we've become. Amen. Amen. So with that being said, turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. We had our first Spanish service Friday night. Say hallelujah. hallelujah. You just spoke in Spanish. Because hallelujah in Spanish is hallelujah. Say amen. 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 That's Spanish too. You're doing good. You're doing good. We had a great time. It was awesome. And we'll never forget our first Spanish service. Why? Because Friday, 15 minutes of torrential rain and wind came through this parking lot at 1 p.m. and knocked out all the power. I'm not talking partial power like we experienced last Sunday. I'm saying nothing's on. And so Florida Power and Light proceeded to work on it for the rest of the afternoon. And Joshua Clay went over and saw the guys working. It says, how long is it going to be till power? It's about 336. He says, well, I'm fixing to hit this switch. And if everything works, it'll be in about two minutes. But if not, it'd be hours. And so he took a 15-foot pole and he pushed that switch. And Josh said, man, it's like something exploded. And then the Transformers exploded down on the line. And the guy threw down his 15-foot pole and he goes, it'll be hours. 
I know why he's feeling like that, because those guys been running for a long time. Right? So here I am, the first Spanish service. We wanna ha- are we going to have any guests? Welcome to Anchor Faith Church. So we went ahead and called an audible about 24-hour prayer, said, I don't even know when it's going to come on, just pray at the house. But when it came to Spanish, we done put out flyers, we've had conversations, we've gone door to door, and at, set, I think it was 6.50 or 6.55, Pedro came. First time guest. Was invited by someone, worked somewhere in construction, was expecting some of his team to come. They didn't show up that day, but he sure has a testimony to tell them when he sees them. Amen. And so we like, man, we already have a guest, no lights. So we just determined, I know I'm going to have to meet with them. I want a fellowship. I don't want to do it in the parking lot. So we just opened up the doors. We pulled out all of our candles. We went acoustic style. Two guitars and that little box, whatever it's called. Cajon. And we started worship. No lights, no air condition. We felt like we were in Puerto Rico. Because that's what they're experiencing right now. We prayed for that nation, obviously. And we began to minister the Lord. And and in our second song of worship, the power came on. Hallelujah. Not only did the electricity power come on, but the power came on to preaching. And by the end of the night, someone came into the kingdom of God. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory a Dios. Amen. We had three first-time guests. 44 was in attendance. Some of y'all snuck in. And that's okay. We're glad you came. All right? But God was good. We had a great time, so I want to encourage you to do so. Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived, the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the what? Of the what? Of the what? Of the mind. Our thinking was crowded with ideas, actions, direction that only led to death and destruction. It's how we thought. Are you with me? How many believe the Bible's true? Okay. How many believe I was one of those? I was. I was one of those. I, did, I wasn't born saved and never got. I wasn't Jesus. I'm not a man who knew no sin. I've known it. I've played with it. I, I tried to perfect it to some degree. Are you with me? And so we've all lived this way. And it says, you know, so we indulge this in our flesh and our minds. Our thinking was consumed with it. We were by nature children of wrath even as the rest, meaning, children of wrath, meaning God has set a time by which all who will not make Jesus Lord, they are destined for his wrath. So let me correct your billboard. When you drive down the street and you hear it says, God's not mad, that's not true. God's not mad at you. If you're a sinner, yes, he is. He has wrath stored up for you because you're rejecting Jesus. Now, if you've not heard about Jesus yet, make no mistake about it. Your opportunity is going to come because God desires that none would perish, but that all would come to repentance. 
But you know, we gloss these things over all the time. Well, God's not mad at you. God provided for you to be saved, but he is totally storing up wrath right now for sons of disobedience. That's happening. Now, here's the thing. Again, because we don't read the Bible, we don't take it in context, because we do not, you know, read the whole thing, we think God can't hate because he's love. But God can. God hates divorce. God hates sin. But yet he's love. Amen. So before we just put blanket statements out, let's at least actually think for a moment, study the word and find out what he's really saying. Do you understand? More people would come into the kingdom if they knew that God was, has this thing brewing in the spirit called wrath for those who reject him. It's brewing there. Now, all the while, he's made a way. His name's Jesus, but you have to receive him as Lord. If not, there's something brewing. It's his wrath. That's his anger. Listen, the Lord says this, be quick to, slow to, and slow to. The Lord is slow to wrath. That means he's slow to get angry, but when his anger comes, it's righteous. It's righteous. We see this in the old covenant. He kept, but for my servant David, but for my servant David, but for my servant David, king after king after king, uh, disappointment after disappointment after disappointment, sinful life, idolatry, all kinds of wickedness happening in his city, his nation, his covenant people, but for my servant David. But there came a day that Jeremiah showed up. And he said, Jeremiah, you prophesy and you let them know they all going into captivity. There'll be no deliverance now. My wrath has been uh, kindled. It is going to be released on my nation. The city will fall. And it doesn't matter what they do now. I will not hear them. We have to understand the full concept of our God because when we do, then the fear of the Lord will manifest in our life. And the fear of the Lord is this reverential fear. God, I honor you. You've paid such a price. You've paid such a price to give me life. And what am I doing with this life you gave me? Am I coming and sitting in a seat for a couple hours? (laughs) And that would be a novel idea, right? Can we even endure Or do we take the doctrine of the world that the attention span of people are da-da-da-da-da? Well, then why are they making movies still two hours long? Why are football games still four quarters? Oh, you don't want to hear that. There is no football game less than three and a half hours. And those people typically go in not climate control environments. I love college football because it identifies who's Lord of your life. If you can compare, the kingdom of God is like football game. It's like college football game that the people came early. (laughs) And they hung out in the parking lot and began to worship. Began to give praise to their team. And then they went in. I mean, hours before they even opened the stadium. And they spent 
hundreds, maybe even thousands of dollars in hotels and for the tickets just to get in. Then they spend it on the spirits that are located within the uh, uh, Coliseum so they can get happy. Because either way, whether they win or lose, they can be happy. Oh, yeah. And they're fellowshipping with all kinds of people. Don't even know them. And they hate the enemy. They ain't going to put up with them. No, they ain't nice to that stuff. No, you're going to lose. You're going to fall. You're going to die. They have confessions of faith. We're going to beat you. We're going to beat you down. You're going down today, baby. I know that's what Kentucky was saying. And they played like it, too. But in the end, 31 years later, Florida still has victory. Are you with me? And then, and then they'll hang out the whole game. The only time they leave is when their team disappoints them. They get beat down so badly like there ain't no reason for me to stay here. I'm glad my God's never been defeated. Amen. Which tells me this, why would we ever leave early? I don't know why you would ever come out of church early. Because our God never. Who in the world leaves early when you're putting the beat down? Woo! There's another one. Yeah! High five. We celebrating. We doing hands lifted high. We are shouting to the top of our lungs. And when the cheerleading squad, that's the praise and worship team, gets down, we begin to do the wave. We get all excited. We get all excited. We hear a cheer and we're right in it. Then we get here and worship. These people are crazy. You'll give a bigger shout for a Wilson football than you will for the creator of heaven and earth. Hallelujah. You ought to stand to your feet and shout one good time. That's what you ought to do. That's what you ought to do. Because Jesus Christ is Lord. He's Lord. Woo! Hallelujah. Yeah, I'm not just a fan. I'm not a fanatic. I am a follower. I'm sold out, dedicated. Woo, hallelujah. See, I was lost. I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was gone. I was no good. I was a perfecter of lying. I felt like I was the, I had the art of lying. And I went to church every Sunday. I went to church every Sunday, but on Saturday night, I lied. I lied myself into all kind of situations. I lied myself in all kind of relationships. Yeah. To a dad that I was no longer located with. Wasn't he supposed to be my dad anymore? I was transferred out of that dominion, but I was living like it. It's because I was in an identity crisis. I didn't even know who I was. You can be seated. That's good. You always have freedom to respond and act. Why are you so stoic? I'm telling you right now, there is nobody. The greatest warrior in the Bible is King David, but he's the greatest worshiper as well. So excuse me if I get a little dance. Don't, don't mind me if I dance before the Lord a little bit. Don't mind me. 
because I know what my Jesus did for me. You know what I know what he delivered me from? A place of eternal damnation where I would be in torment and I would be separated from the love of God and from the peace of God and from the life of God. But not only that, you know what's even bigger than that is that I finally got into a kingdom to where the health care is always paid for, where the provision's always there, where joy's at a moment's notice that I can tap into God because I can rule and reign in this life right now. I don't have to wait till I get to heaven. He promised me that if I pray to my father who's in heaven, that he would bring his kingdom down. See, this is the problem. You waiting to get to heaven to shout. And God says, if you shout now, I'll bring heaven to you. Hallelujah. Think about it. Listen, sit down. Listen, what's it say? Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom. And everybody's just hungry and waiting to go to heaven. It's be over with this life. And the Lord's saying, my gosh, man, command me to show up on your. He said, we can't command Jesus. Yes. Jesus commanded you to make a demand on his word. He said, no, find my word, then speak my word and use my name. He said, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, I'll do it. And the problem is you don't know what Father said about your situation, so you don't have no confidence to actually say something. And so you want to leave instead of have what you want to go to come down here and change your situation. Because you put more trust in your power than in the power of the unseen. I was dead, man. I was dead. I was dead. I was dead. I was running my own life, doing my own thing. Popular? Sure. Sure. I went to a small school, man. We graduated 120 people. That's it. It was a junior, senior high school. There were sixth graders at my... I'd walk through the hallway as a senior, and I have sixth graders. Hey, Harold. What's up? Have my little football jersey on, number 33, Newberry Panthers. We undefeated my senior year. Come on, what you want? I mean, I had to walk everything. But it pains me to tell you, nobody knew I knew Jesus. Squandered a whole... I could have influenced sixth grade to seniors if I could have been bold, but I was weak. Caught up in the hype, living a formal life. Let's go on. Let's look what it says. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive together with God. By grace, you've been saved, raised up with him, seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Next verse or the continuous verse. They don't have numbers on us. I don't know where we're at yet. Keep going. Next slide then. Thank you. So that in the ages to come, he might show the surpassing riches of his, good, of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and not a work of yourself. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Let me stop right there. <clears throat> you can't work your way into it, but once you're in it, there's a work to do. And don't ever forget that. Because if you stop at verse 9, you'll miss verse 10, and you'll never accomplish verse 10, and you'll live life substandard. Because verse 10 then goes on and says, For we are his what? Workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for, 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 for. 
We've been created in Christ Jesus. We're his workmanship for good works. Works do not cease to exist just because Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave. Works now actually can work. What I mean by that is, is that now you are led by the Spirit and everything you do and anything that you're doing is not a result of who you are, but a result of who He is, but you're doing it because of faith. Oh, you don't want to hear this. The woman with the issue of blood, she's not healed. 12 years, man, she's got this flow going on, but she hears that Jesus is in the house. In, in, in town. So what does she do? She has given all of her money to the doctors. No help. She's worse. But she heard the healers in the house. Now the healer is trying to get to Jairus' house because his daughter's sick about to die. And he's already told the dad that I'll go there and heal her. It's going to be all right. But there's a crowd of people because when Jesus was doing miracles, his fame spread and he couldn't go into populated places without everybody showing up. So now Jesus is trying to get through this crowd. This woman comes out her house, sees this crowd, and begins to think to herself, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to be made whole. Now, my money couldn't do it. The doctors couldn't do it. But that's Jesus. And all I know about Jesus is that everybody he touches, I've heard. I don't know that she knows anybody who actually had healing. I don't know that she ever had someone show up and say, hey, listen, I know you got this issue, but look at my doctor's report. Look at what the doctor said. Look at what my x-rays say. Didn't have that kind of documentation. The most she could have had is a friend who had leprosy that went and showed themselves to the priest only to give them a clean bill of health. Most likely it's just what she's heard about him because his fame went out. And so that woman had to do a work of faith. You know what that work of faith is? I believe that if I touches him, I'll be healed. Do you know if that woman never would have left her house, she never would have got healed? The Lord didn't come through town and go, I sense that somebody has had an issue of blood. I'm not saying he couldn't have, but it didn't happen. Let's just pray right now. I speak to whomever has this issue. Come on. Didn't happen. Even when Jesus is speaking, there's still a relationship. Everybody's wanting God to do it without God even having a conversation with him. Lord, do something with a hurricane. You better talk to him about the hurricane so something can be done about it. You better talk to him about healing so something can be done about it. You better talk to him about your marriage so something can be done about it. The centurion came and said, don't even come to my house. Just speak the word only. My servant be healed. But there was an interaction. He said, I'm just like you, a man under authority, a man in authority. Say the word and my servant will be healed. Because I know when I tell my servant to go, he goes. When I tell him to come, he comes. When I tell him to do this, he does it. He said, man, I ain't seen such great faith. No, not in all of Israel. He said, be it according to your word. Wow. Be it according to your word. What was the man's work? He believed God at his word. He believed it so much, he sent somebody to say, just tell him to say it, man. That's all that matters. Just get his will on it. Tell him. If he'll say he's healed, then he has to be. But God doesn't heal always the same way. So you got to get his will on it, his way to do it. How am I going to do this thing now? 
This woman, she begins to crawl through the crowd. What was her work of faith? I'm going to get to him. Even though I know by law I'm supposed to say unclean, unclean. You think the woman might have said that, though? Because she said unclean, she could have cleared the crowd a lot faster. <laughs> unclean, unclean. Whoa, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's what they had to do. Unclean, unclean. Why, so you don't touch me? Because if I touch you now, I'm unclean for the rest of the day. Thank you. No, she pressed through the crowd. And she knew where she would be when she got to him on her knees. She said, if I just touch his hem. And when she got through, she touched his hem, and the Bible says immediately power left him. Same thing happens to us. We have what's called a work of faith. James says this. He says, you say you have faith without works? <laughs> That's what James said. Really? Hmm. Read it for yourself, James chapter 1. You say you have faith without works? I'll show you my faith by my works, by my belief in God. And then they'll manifest. What's in the unseen will come to the scene. But you, on the other hand, if you have faith without works, it's dead. That means you're believing something that can't ever happen because you ain't actually are being a good work. You're not being a doer of the word at all. You may not even be in hope. And how do we know this? Because God understood that we as believers, when we came into his kingdom, we are going to have to grow some things up in our mind. See, he said this thing to us when we were born again. He said, you're in Christ. That word in means denoting a fixed position. How did this happen? It's in Colossians chapter 3. You're transferred, into the king, you're transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son from the domain of darkness. You were lost and dead in your trespasses. You were under the power and rule of the devil. Well, how did you get there? Well, because sin entered the world through one man, according to Romans chapter 5. His name was Adam. Adam, through his transgression, sin entered the world. What is sin? It's disobeying God. What was Adam's sin? He ate the fruit God told him not to eat. He said, you can eat of any tree of the garment of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You shall not eat for the day you eat. You will surely, you're going to die. Now, that didn't mean he quit breathing. That's the problem. You think you're alive because you're, <sighs> that's not life. That's opportunity. Oh, Breathing just means you have opportunity because there are people who are dead in their breath because they don't know Jesus. And if it wasn't for that breathing right now and you were to leave your skin suit, you would never have an opportunity again. So breathing's opportunity for you to get a door of your heart knocked on where God says, hey, I choose you, come into my kingdom. And you say, I accept it. Say, well, choose Jesus. You can't choose Jesus. You're running from him. You can't choose God. That violates scripture. The Bible says no man goes after God. No, not one. All you can do is accept him. Now, once you accept him, then you're made new. And then when you're made new, the Holy Ghost will live inside you. Now you can actually have choice. Are you with me? Because God wants us to choose. Once we're born again, always him. And he's empowered us to make the right choice. So we become born again. But now we're in Christ. We're fixed in Christ. Christ is not his last name. It's not Jesus Christ. That's his last name. Nor is it Christ Jesus' his first name. Nor is neither my first name pastor. It's not on my birth certificate. It doesn't say pastor 
Earl, Gliss, Earl Wayne Glisson. My middle name's Wayne. Okay? No? Pastor's title that God gave me. Not you, not Anchor Faith Church, but God. Because he gave gifts to the body, some being pastors. I happen to have that anointing. And as a result of that, if you want that anointing, then when you call pastor, then you can get it. But if I'm Earl, I'm your buddy. And I can be your buddy, and I'll be a good buddy. Until, you know, um, you want to live unrighteous, then our buddy relationship's got to be cut off. Well, you don't want to hear that either. Well, God loves it. God will let people go that does not run. He said, if there's a so-called brother and he's practicing sin, cut him off. Yeah. Read the Bible, people. That's right. Good. <sighs> Hallelujah. Somebody just had a Peter moment. <laughs> Write it down and read the Corinthian letters. Okay, that's New Testament. Corinthian letters. New Covenant New Testament church. Okay. So we see here then God's design was always that man would be of his spirit. He wants us to be sons of God. That's always been his desire. Genesis 1 and 2 is about the sons of God. Revelation 21 and 22 is about the sons of God. Genesis 3 to, to Revelation 20 is about fallen man. That's out of alignment with God. And he's trying to get them back in sonship, which is a position of a royal bloodline because Jesus is king. It's a great book called The Scarlet Thread. It's about the bloodline of Jesus. And when Adam fell from dominion, when he ate the fruit, he lost access to the kingdom. God instituted a plan. I'll bring myself, my seed through the woman. So there's going to be God wrapped in the flesh. We know his name is... Jesus. And so the whole Old Testament's about bringing this guy, that he protects his bloodline. And if you read it, if you do the Gospels, you'll see everybody comes back to Adam. Jesus' bloodline goes back to Adam. Jesus' bloodline goes back to Adam. And he's very purposeful, but he's got to get covenant with somebody. So he gets covenant with a guy in Genesis chapter 12. His name's Abram. And he doesn't want Abram to be a religious guy. He wants Abram to be the head of a nation. And he says, listen, I'll make you a great nation. So he changed his name to Abraham. Yeah. From Abraham, he begets Isaac. Means he gave birth to Isaac. Isaac gives birth to Jacob. Jacob wrestles with the Lord and gets a name change. We call him what? Israel. That's a nation in the earth today. You can go visit it. Because this Bible's about a king, his kingdom, and his royal offspring. And as a result of that, from there, this bloodline continues its course. That God is looking for people. Why? To establish his kingship back into the earth so that we could be sons and daughters of God where he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. God never intended to, to reduce this Bible to an escape plan to heaven. Never. And if all you do is live life waiting to go somewhere, you'll never dominate nor have dominion here. For God's original plan to man in Genesis chapter 126 says, let us make man in our image according to our likeness and let him have rule, dominion over fish, birds, all the earth. And from there, it's all about this kingship. 
That when Israel rejects God in 1 Samuel chapter 8, he tells Samuel, give them a man as a king. They've rejected me as their king. He called himself that. Who is the king of glory? Strong and mighty. Bible's filled with it. But, you know, we've been desynthesized because of separation of church and state in our own country, so we can't even begin to see this as a government. But the reality is it is. If you read Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says a child will be born, a son will be given. And the government shall rest on his shoulders. Write that verse down. You've probably never seen it before. It said there'll be no end to the increase of his kingdom. Now, when I say kingdom, I'm not talking about we won't leave the planet. The Bible's very clear. If you are to be absent from your body, be present with the Lord, and heaven really exists. But God's not done with planet Earth. It even cries out for its redemption. And if we'll actually get past when we go to heaven, when we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will. And it will be awesome. Because now you're separated from this environment that's still temporary in sin. But once that happens, guess what? Jesus is coming back to the same planet during his millennial reign. Yeah. We don't even talk about that. Then he releases the devil. Yeah. Then after that moment, he throws the devil in the lake of fire with the beast and the false prophet. And then he judges the dead, all who will go before the great white throne judgment and throw them into the lake of fire. Then the Bible tells us he'll create a new heaven and a new earth. Yeah. Why are we getting another planet? Come on. It's not another one. It's this one new. Just like you've been born again, you're a new creature in Christ. Yes. He reestablishes the earth back as in its original design to where it's like heaven on earth. Yes. Now, it's not heaven itself because there's heaven and there's earth. God calls it that. But you understand the cultures are the same. The environments are the same. Then if you actually keep reading, it says New Jerusalem, that place that God's up there building will come down out of heaven to the earth. Yes. Hallelujah. You sure don't want to be in heaven if God's down on earth. But you understand God's everywhere. How do you even conceive that in your mind? I mean, he's everywhere. God loves all this creation. God's not saying, oh, the sun and the moon and the stars, we'll just take that and throw it away. And now we're going to take the earth and we throw that away. And all the galaxies, we'll throw that away. And all there is is planet earth. This, this is planet heaven. That's all we got. No, he loves all this creation. He'll redeem it all. And he's the king of and the Lord of. And Jesus priest, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why is this important? Because when he says you're in Christ, what he's saying is you've been positioned in royalty. You've been positioned in royalty. He fixed a place in you so that you can have access to royalty. And not only that, but rightly dividing his word and growing up. Look at these couple of scriptures and we'll close. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. All things pass away. Behold, all things become new. The New Living Translation says it this way. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has begun, become a new person. The old life is gone, and new life has begun. So listen, as long as you see yourself as one who will sin, as opposed to one who could sin, you do not know who you are in Christ. If you continue to take up the mantra, the false doctrine, I'm just a sorry sinner saved by grace then you'll always live sinful. But when you realize I was a sinner, my spirit man was dead, separated from God. But God, I accepted Jesus as my Lord. He paid the price. Now I'm a believer. I'm in Christ. My spirit man is like God. It's in his image. And now the Holy Ghost lives in me. 
So I could sin, but I won't. Just like Jesus could sin, but he didn't. Jesus was tempted on all accounts. That means he had the opportunity to sin, but he didn't. Now we have the same capacity as children of God now because of what Jesus did on the cross by the shedding of his blood and by the resurrection of, of, of him on the third day. Now we have the ability to no longer try to do God our way, but we can do God his way. Because our spirit man has been now made alive unto God. He's put his same spirit, the third person of the Godhead, inside us to bear witness with our spirit and then reveal his truth to us. For the word of God is not naturally appraised, but spiritually discerned. So God never intended us to live life on earth. He never intended for us to live like the world saved. It was never his intention. And I said this in first service. We would not take our children and send them to public schools tomorrow for 30 minutes and expect that they'll get a good education. Let me say that again. We would not send our children to school tomorrow in the St. John's County public school system for 30 minutes on Monday only and expect them to get a good education. Yet, most people in the body of Christ only want 30 minutes of Bible teaching. Now we're service. Where you come in, we do our formalities, we greet you, we tell you how awesome you are, and we're so excited you're here. And then we sing a few songs to God. Kumbaya, my Lord, kumbaya. And then at that point, we give a few announcements, we take up an offering, and then we come and pull a few scriptures, tell a few emails, have a few antidotes, we make you feel good about yourself, and then you leave. We give you an opportunity to respond to Jesus, and if you do, we rejoice in that, but we're not really going to educate you. Because we know your time's precious. And that you cannot endure more than just a few moments. And so I have to be relevant. I can't wear my suits anymore, and I can't preach long. Yet, those same individuals will go to movies more than once a week. That lasts more than two hours. They'll go to the football games. And you want to know why your life's not more successful with God? Can I get an amen? Or oh me, one or the other, I don't care. Seriously, ladies, y'all are going to school. Do you seriously think you'd be able to do all that you're going to be able to be qualified to do if you only went for 30 minutes? My gosh, man, just the bones that y'all got to memorize in the first. You're going to be able to do that 30 minutes a, a week? I can't even think of half the Latin stuff they have to throw out, you know, this whatever, man. I mean, whatever. I'd have to Google all that stuff. And then I need somebody to help translate what it even says. But they have to learn it. They have to point it all out. They have to do the whole body, do the whole system. They have to talk about what, what's the problem. You're going to get that in 30 minutes? Yet you want to live successful for God in 30 minutes? Not come in the midweek? And then parents, you're going to let your kids take more time at the public school than you would have them required to come to church. Well, they're tired. They got a lot of homework. And we want to know why we're not positioned right. 
God never intended us to live this way. God loves you so much, man. He's doing so much he can for you. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter one that he has raised us up, seated us in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father and he's saying, Dad, I'm praying for them. Dad, I'm praying for them. And some of his prayers is the same prayers that Paul prayed. I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened, that they may know what the hope of this calling. I'll use April as an example since she's on the front row and this doesn't really apply to her life, but I'll pretend like it does. Lord, I'm praying for April. I'm praying that April will learn me and grow because she doesn't even come and spend time with me. She doesn't even sup with me. She doesn't even, she pulls out one scripture. She gets her little daily bread. She does a quick little reading. She doesn't even study it. She doesn't even try to get to know me. She's just around me. She knows that, oh, well, when I die, I go to heaven, but yet she's constantly being defeated on earth. She can't find my will. She can't find victory. And then she goes through life. And when trouble comes and trials come and she gets beat down, she said, well, God's ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Well, you know, God's in control. When all the while I'm praying for her that the eyes of her understanding would be enlightened, that she may know what is the hope of her calling, that she would begin to enact my will. She would begin to take authority. She begin to take, be seated with me, that she's royalty, that she has authority, that if she speak my word only in my name, it shall be done. Yet she's just waiting to escape. Oh, will she be shocked when she comes to find out all she could have been while she was there. And she'll stand before my seat. She'll stand before my seat. It's called the Bema seat. The judgment seat of Christ. Well, I don't think we were being judged. Grace got us out of judgment. Grace got you out of hell. It never got you out of judgment. That'll preach. Because you'll all, it says you'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And what he'll do is he'll say, let's examine your life after I gave birth to you in the spirit. Did you accomplish what I destined you to be? Did you take serious this relationship? Did you grow and become who I said you were? Because son, you are a child of God. You are the son of a king. My whole kingdom in this unseen realm was at your disposal. At a moment's notice, I could have called down a legion of angels to help you, to surround you, to protect you. I could have enacted my health care system because my blood and my stripes paid for that. I could have knocked that cancer out in one swell sweep if only you'd believe. I could have brought provision so that you could accomplish that purpose if only you would have called on my name and spoke my word. If you would have done more in life than just wait to leave but would have been seated with me while on the earth as royalty as a child of the king as an acting as an ambassador it's time to rise it's time to become the sons and daughters of God that he desired to leave in the earth those that were unashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ for it is the power unto salvation it's time to know who you are and to know that God loves you and he died for you but then he gave you life so you can live abundantly now in his authority it's time for you to know his will it's time for you to enact his plan it's time for you to live by faith it's time to rise it's time to be positionally correct as a child of a king.